Hello everyone, this is Brian Johansson with the Adler Group, and I'm here in the studio again with Lou Adler to talk about creating a great candidate experience. Everyone knows how important it is for candidates to feel good about the hiring process, but today we're going to dissect it a little bit and try to understand what makes a great candidate experience and how can companies actually create that. Lou, how are you doing today? Hey, Brian, nice to be here with you and uh, looking forward to this podcast with you. I believe that for the people you're going to hire, you do have to create an extraordinary high-touch candidate experience. And I don't think an HR tech approach to creating that candidate experience is sufficient. So I advocate, and I call it an extraordinary candidate experience, is really a high-touch getting the candidate to understand the job, to get the hiring manager fully engaged, and to deliver on the promise. So to me, Pulling that off from the moment the wreck is opened till after the person is hired is what I believe to be in the essential components of an extraordinary candidate experience. I think everybody wants a great candidate experience, and, and a lot of that is being driven by the fact that candidates now have a place where they can talk about their candidate experience. They can post something on Glassdoor or some other website and start comparing notes about companies. So whatever the candidate experience is, it is now public and visible to candidates who are saying, do I really want to apply to this job? Do I, is this a company that is a good company? So I think the the image that's out there in the marketplace of your company can have an effect on the quality of the people you actually hire. Well, there's no question about that. But let's think about it. The reason that people put a negative comment on Glassdoor is because the candidate experience was inadequate. So there's probably two levels of the candidate experience that I think are important. Number one, how do you treat people who apply? And how do you treat the people who actually are going to get the job? Two different issues. And I'm going to contend that if you treat those two populations the same, you're going to dilute the overall candidate experience. So there's one to meet a threshold of, and maybe it's an artificial threshold of, what are they going to say on Glassdoor? And number two, what are the people you're actually going to hire going to say on Glassdoor, which should be extraordinary. But as long as you treat everybody fairly, You'll have neutral on Glassdoor, no comments, but you'll have the extraordinary people say, wow, that was something special. And I think there are certain components of people who actually get hired that there are certain minimum criteria you have to do to not worry so much about what's on Glassdoor, but worry about who are the people you're seeing? Are they being judged accurately and uh, appropriately? Are they being offered a job that makes sense? And after the fact, are they really delivering on the promise? I mean, so to me, I wouldn't worry so much about Glassdoor. I'd worry about are the people you're hiring the right people and are they highly satisfied after they take the job? So it's who's your audience. In my mind, the audience is hiring great people, not what's on Glassdoor. Okay. So companies have invested lots of technology in this process to improve the candidate experience. There's chatbots that uh, interact with candidates, give them immediate information, pre-qualify them. There's uh, uh, interactive tools that get back to candidates after they've applied. What's your thought about how we use technology to build a candidate experience? I think the question is backwards. The question is, what do you want the candidate experience to be? And then can you make uh, technology meet that criteria? But what we have here is people say, no, let me get this technology, the chat box, this, this, the CRM system, the nurturing system. But they haven't defined what is an exceptional candidate experience to begin with. And I think that's part of the problem is they say, OK, a vendor comes up with what appears to be a new candidate experience. But if you're judging candidates on the skills they have, you don't respond to them instantly. The candidate doesn't understand why they're not being seen or they are being seen. It doesn't matter what all the technology is. So to me, the technology is an enabler, not the creator. 
focus on what you want an exceptional candidate experience to be, and then, hey, how do you use technology to enable that process? You just uh, finished a webinar on this topic, and I believe you had a slide that we can make available to people. Uh, they can get it at hiring.tips ECX. And so I'm going to refer to that slide a little bit and maybe have you walk us through it, which are really the components of what makes a great candidate experience, how to create an extraordinary candidate experience. You want to walk through the different components of that, what you think it really takes to accomplish that? Absolutely. And I think this gets back to start with creating the strategy or the plan for a greater candidate experience. I call it an extraordinary candidate experience. And then see where, what components can use technology to, to make it work. But the biggest one in my mind is the beginning. I'm going to actually say two things. At the beginning, it's think win-win. A win for the company and a win for the candidate. And a win for both of them requires to begin with the end in mind. And the end in mind is not the day the person's hired. It's not during the interview. It's not during the chat box. It's after the person's hired and a year later, the candidate and hiring manager says, yes, that was a great hiring decision. And the candidate says, I'm glad I took that job. Which means the candidate experience, you got to deliver on the promise. You have to promise a career move. You got to ensure you have a productive and professional interview and assessment process. And you have to deliver on that promise after the person starts. So that's the bookends of it. We certainly can get into the critical pieces of it. But in my mind, thinking win-win is the key step that has to be conducted. And I don't think all these chat boxes, all these other things, all they're trying to do is be reasonably nice to people who aren't going to get the job. And that's the concern I have is I think we dilute the good kind of experience for everybody by focusing on, hey, we got all these people who shouldn't have applied. Now we got to spend our resources to be nice to them. And yes, you do have to be nice to them, but there's so many other ways of pulling that off rather than just diluting the experience using a bunch of new technology. So is your contention that we should not allow all those people into the process? We should ignore those people? What should we do with those people? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I make superficially tongue-in-cheek. I say we should put duct tape over the apply button. We shouldn't make it so easy to apply. That begins the problem because everybody applies without reading the job description. And then they don't hear back, so then they write a negative report on Glassdoor. Or they get some superficial thing. We have your resume, Brian, and we'll get back to you in a few days, and we never get back to the person. So we've set ourselves up to create an environment that we didn't even need to have in the first place. So in my mind, and this is part of the think win-win, part of it is I want to have the hiring manager define what I call a career move. And in my mind, a career move is not a list of skills and experiences surrounded by boilerplate and generic hyperbole. It's, hey, what is this person going to be doing in the job? Five or six key performance objectives. Why is this an important job? Why are you a good candidate? Personalized, customized to the job. Then when you go out to candidates, say, hey, if you can do this job, we want to talk to you. But don't just apply. Send me an email about what you've done. And that's a perfectly legal step. You don't even have to have them candidates to begin with. We all think that someone who applies has to be a candidate. Well, let's change the rules. We follow the rules of a job board. We follow the rules of an ATS I got to apply. No, I talked to the number one labor attorney in the country. He said, no reason we have to do that. Just people have done it because technology says to do it. I said, what if I have these candidates send me an email as a first step describing the work they have to do and what they've done that's most related, and based on that, ace it. Great idea, slam dunk. Well, to me, that's what I would call a high-touch process, thinking about what do we want the candidates to experience when they're there. Part of it is put duct tape over the apply button, make it a little bit more difficult to apply, so let the candidates self-select out before they even push the button. That, to me, is the first step. 
Well, the first step is think win-win. Uh, the second step is let's define the job as a series of performance objectives around, wrapped around an EVP, employee value proposition, and then ask candidates, hey, here's our job. If you think you're qualified, send me a half-page write-up of something you've done that's most related. We will get back to you. And you do have to get back to the person, even if that write-up is bad, or if it's good, you now have the person that's self-selected. And I think what you'll discover is 90% of the people won't respond. And because they don't respond, you don't have to report to them. You don't have to create the candidate experience for people who shouldn't have applied to begin with. They self-selected out, don't want to be part of that, or I'm not qualified for that. But I think what you also do is, hey, this is an interesting way to do it. Now you've differentiated your company as a compelling place to work, doing compelling work, offering a true career opportunity. So as I listen to you talk about this, Lou, what you're talking about is, is a lot of high touch. It's a lot of interaction with the candidate, as opposed to maybe the chatbots or, or electronic interaction or other methodologies. So what's the balance between high touch and high tech in this? Well, let's say this. So I think a chat box at this step would be very good. Hey, if you think you're qualified, let's have a chat. And you can have the chat box be automated. Hey, one of the objectives of this job is building a team of accountants to develop a new international reporting system. What have you done that's most related to that? And if the candidates can respond, if the chat box is intelligent, I'm going to say, well, that sounds pretty interesting, Brian. I'd like to chat with you. So you could make the chat box customized and personal, and that's certainly technology that could work other than do you have uh, how much money are you making, Brian? Where do you live? Are you interested in this job? Get into the use it uh, to enable what you have done, which is, hey, I, we're looking for people who are interested in a career move. If this is a good career move for you, we want to talk. So it's, I say it's spend more time with fewer people, use the chat box or some kind of filtering system, which I just said, the email, uh, to get people engaged early, but leave people who are not qualified, who would just push the button indiscriminately, get them out of your system, take them a shortcut, say, hey, thank you very much, Brian, for applying. Uh, if you'd like to be interested in future opportunities, we'd love to have you in here. Take a look at uh, these jobs we have available and apply. And maybe have a different methodology of how people get into it. But that would certainly be shortcut them into a, you're not qualified for this, but you might be qualified for something in the future. And I think that's right. Where I see companies deploying technology in this area, it's for high volume hiring with a lot of active candidates. Is it different if you're going after a passive candidate, someone who doesn't need your job, doesn't really apply, and you have to go find them? And if so, how does that change the game? Well, in that case, it's 100% high touch. You've got to find him. You got to send him an email. You got to make it. You got to nurture him. I mean, so it's a lot of high touch with a passive candidate. I'm even thinking an active candidate response. You can write creative emails that touch people and capture their intrinsic motivators, or what another agency said, their inner hero. Why is this job a good job for you? You can still do this thing in a high volume sense. The key is the first step has to be how do I separate the looky-loos are the people who shouldn't have applied to begin with the real people. So you have to have that kind of step up front in a high volume capacity. Then you move to a high touch concept. And it's got to be the recruiter has to be fully knowledgeable about the job. The recruiter can't screen people on things that don't predict performance or on the job success. And the hiring manager has to be engaged early in the process. So I think you can use it for both. But clearly a passive candidate you've reached out to, I'm going to say it's probably 90, 80 to 90 percent high touch. Got to get on the phone and a recruiter better know the job in that case, not start selling boilerplate and, you know, box checking skills and an awesome opportunity, which I think happens all too frequently. Part of what you're talking about is engagement, it sounds like. How do we engage candidates to really understand who they are and, and what they want 
and do that in a way that brings the right candidates to the front of this process and, and gets those candidates who are not the right candidates out of the process earlier. Is that kind of what you're advocating? Absolutely. But it's not, I mean, it sounds, it's not simple, as you well know, Brian, because we've done this for years, but uh, it's certainly possible if people think about, okay, how does an active candidate look for a job? How do the top half of the top third of those active people decide to select jobs? What kind of uh, experience do they need to see to be fully logical that this is the best move amongst competing alternatives? That's got to be the underlying premise. For the passive candidates, since they're not looking, you have to not only uh, add those variables, hey, let's just have a conversation, let's go slow, don't sell the job, sell the conversation about a career opportunity, much more involved from a high-touch interpersonal level. Recruiter clearly has to know the job, but it's a sequence of steps, much more akin to a complex buying decision on both sides, the candidate and the hiring manager. With an active candidate, it's a little bit easier because the candidate's actively looking, but you still have to differentiate yourself from everything else the candidate's looking at, and you have to have a threshold of a good candidate experience. Number one, good when you reject the person, and exceptional if they move in the process. This is a tight labor market. Doesn't matter what you're hiring for, top talent is scarce. I'd like your thoughts about what you do in the interview process to make sure that the candidate experience stays at the right level to be extraordinary. Well, a couple things. As a minimum, that candidate has to leave that interview saying, I have just gone through a very professional, objective interview, and that team or that hiring manager understands what I bring to the table. And even if I don't get the job, I believe that I was professionally and properly evaluated. That's the absolute minimum. If they pass that threshold, then they have to look at it, wow, this job does seem like a career move. And in my mind, a career move has got to offer at least a 30% non-monetary increase. And that's a combination of a bigger job a job with more impact, a job with a mix of more satisfying work, or it could be better work-life balance, but certainly they need to continue on that career trajectory over multiple years. So first step is, am I being properly evaluated? If so, is this job truly a career move? And is it better than everything else I'm considering? That's why I said earlier, you can't use a laundry list of skills and experience to define the job. It's got to be a series of outcomes objectives, performance objectives, challenges, projects the person's going to work on. So the guy says, yeah, I want to work on that. And because this is a company that's going places, I want to work on it with your company. So that's what I would say the two minimums are. Step one, professional interview. Step two, is this a career move? And then, and it's got to be this win-win at every step in the process. We're not, you're not just a commodity going through this begging for a job. We think you're a serious candidate. We want to treat you fairly and professionally at every step of the way. And it's, it's got to be a mutual decision. It's got to be perceived as a mutual decision from the moment you start talking to the candidate till the candidate accepts an offer through the onboarding process and then even afterwards because you still got to deliver on the promise. Makes perfect sense. Well, let me ask this question. If you are talking to a company that wants to improve their candidate experience, where should they start? Well, I guess I clearly say let's look at all the people you've just hired. After 30 days, talk to those people and get their reaction. Then take another group of people who've been there 90 days and say, are we delivering on the promise we told you in the, during a job? Right away, you know if you're in the game. You could also talk to people who get rejected right away and ask them. I mean, that would kind of tell you all the pools. People who applied and got rejected quickly, the people who applied and went through the interview process who didn't get hired, the people who got hired, uh, the reaction right afterwards, and then people who have been on a job three to six months. And I think if you take 
a survey of 10 or 15 people of each of those pools, you'd pretty well know if you're in the game or not. And we're happy to conduct that survey for you if you want an objective outside service to do it. But to me, that's the basics of it. Does that seem logical to you? Perfectly logical. And I think talking to people, talking to candidates, understanding their experience and how they view you as a company as they interact with you as a candidate, it's the perfect way to begin the process. Yeah, I would say the first thing is, is that if the hiring manager is not fully engaged, you don't have a good process. I don't care anything else. You can't do anything without a hiring manager fully engaged. And engaged, I mean, that hiring manager clearly understands the performance objectives of the job and is a professional interviewer and understands what talent looks like and has a track record of delivering talent. To me, that's the minimum. If you don't have that, you can put all the bells and whistles and high tech around it. You don't have a good candidate experience. Number two, you have to define, as a company, you have to define the jobs as serious performance objectives. How can you actually measure motivation and interest if you haven't told the candidate the job? Then it's just problematic. It's just like an ill-defined lateral transfer. And number three, the recruiter has to understand as the agent for the sales, or as the sales agent for the job, that person has to know the job, the team, the company, and the culture so that that person isn't misleading people. Number two, it also has the ability to recruit candidates who are on the margin, who say, oh, so that recruiter has got to be a recruiter, not just a box checker. I think you get those three components, you're in the game. Uh, a lot of work to get there, but to me, it's critical if a company wants to hire great people on a consistent basis. And that, to me, is what an extraordinary candidate experience consists of. Thank you, Lou. As always, it's a pleasure to be in the studio with you discussing anything having to do with hiring. For our listeners today, if you'd like to improve your candidate experience, contact us at info at performancebasedhiring.com. We're always happy to chat with anybody about any hiring challenges you might have. And if you'd like a copy of the infographic we referred to earlier in the program, you can download that at hiring.tips.ecx. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Lou and Brian signing off.